Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, AudioMac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Please be advised that the content of this show is for mature audiences 18 and over due to the topics discussed. Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at facebook.com slash romantic truth. You may also listen to the podcast on anchor.fm slash romantic truth. Now, here is your host Jawson. Welcome back, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Romantic Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Jowson, and today we're diving into the topic that has been on the minds of many eligible bachelors out there. We're exploring the question, where can you find the most eligible single women over the age of 18 in the United States? Ah, the quest for love. It's something we all embark upon at some point in our lives. And for those gentlemen who are on the lookout for a special someone, it's crucial to know where to direct your focus. So let's explore some fascinating destinations across the United States where the odds might be in your favor. Our first stop on this love-seeking adventure takes us to the breathtaking city of San Francisco, California. Known for its vibrant culture and forward-thinking mindset, San Francisco offers a unique blend of diversity and intellect. Whether you're strolling through the charming streets of the Mission District or attending a tech conference downtown, you'll find yourself surrounded by an abundance of smart, successful, and confident women. But let's not forget about the East Coast. Ah, New York City, the city that never sleeps. If you're in search of a driven and ambitious partner, the Big Apple might just be the place for you. This concrete jungle is filled with strong-willed women who are pursuing their dreams and leaving their mark on the world. From the bustling streets of Manhattan to the trendy neighborhoods of Brooklyn, New York offers a melting pot of cultures, experiences, and opportunities for connection. Now enchanting city of Charleston, South Carolina, Known for its rich history, southern charm, and hospitality, Charleston exudes a sense of warmth and elegance. Picture strolling hand-in-hand hand with your potential love interest along the cobblestone streets of the French Quarter or enjoying a romantic sunset on one of the city's beautiful beaches. With its captivating beauty and old-world charm, Charleston attracts women who appreciate tradition, grace, and a touch of southern hospitality. Next on our journey, we venture to the vibrant city of Austin, Texas. Austin, often referred to as the live music capital of the world, is a hub for creativity, innovation, and a thriving social scene. If you're looking for a partner who embraces a free-spirited and adventurous lifestyle, this might be the place for you. From exploring the lively bars on 6th Street to attending music festivals like SXSW, Austin offers a fun and energetic atmosphere where you can connect with like-minded women who are passionate about life. Our final destination takes us to the land of eternal sunshine, Los Angeles, California. The City of Angels is not only famous for its entertainment industry, but also for its diverse and exciting dating scene. Here you'll find a mix of aspiring actors, entrepreneurs, and creative minds. From the beautiful beaches of Santa Monica to the trendy cafes of Silver Lake, Los Angeles offers countless opportunities to meet intelligent, talented, and ambitious women who are pursuing their passions. Remember, dear listeners, while these cities may have a higher concentration of eligible single women, love knows no boundaries. The most important thing is to keep an open heart and mind wherever you are. Romance can be found in unexpected places, 
whether it's in a small town or a bustling metropolis. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. I hope everyone is doing well today. I know I am. At least I think I am. All right, folks, what we're going to talk about today has to do with the perception of dating. Now, what do I mean by the perception of dating? If you ask most people, what do you think about dating? More than likely going to get a negative response. Too time consuming. There's nobody out there. All the people are losers, they're flakes, they're crazies. Any sort of sweeping generalization they can come up with to qualify the reason why they're not involved in dating. Most people don't like it. It's like eating your English peas when you don't want to, right? They don't like being judged. And one of the main fears of most people when it comes down to dating is they may do their personal best, pick out the clothing they like the best, dress themselves up the best to meet that person, and things don't work out. And they look at their best has been rejected. It kind of hits home, especially if the person's feelings are just underneath the skin surface. The problem with dating for the most part, you know that hyphenated word low self-esteem? Yeah, that's part of the problem. Because people go to that extreme measure when they're rejected or when things don't work out. You see, where you should be if things don't work out is disappointed, not depressed, and not rejected. But you gotta set yourself up for disappointment. What does this mean? Thinking through your reaction if something is positive or something is negative. Now, true enough, the magnitude of that positivity or negativity will have more of an impact on you. But for the most part, it's manageable. The one thing you got to remember is not to personalize any failures when it comes to dating. They didn't single you out and just say, you are the problem. Now, some people will do this shit. Let me get that straight. But here's what you have to also understand. They're doing that because they have the problem you don't. And they're trying to transfer something onto you, such as guilt, that you don't deserve. That means you have to also be selective about the punishment from someone else, such as the decision that they may try to meet out to you because it may not be justified. Now, I was looking at a program tonight on Core TV 
In regards to this gentleman in Ohio, they had an extensive rat rap sheet. He had abused a lot of women in his lifetime. And when the cops would try to interrogate him, he would just tell them you wouldn't understand. Well, eventually, they got this attorney, and he had gone through several of them. This one attorney that told him, I want to hear everything, backstory and all. Now, what this attorney said in court gave a narrative of this guy's life. Not an excuse, but a narrative. He had a very horrible and domineering mom. When the mom didn't want to be bothered with him because she was chasing the man, the mom would drop him off to her mother. Well, her mother was strung out on drugs and was opening her legs for any man. So not only did he have to deal with the abuse at home with his mom, getting his ass whooped by men that were total strangers because he might want to send them down to the store to get a pack of cigarettes. And he would say no or come back without his change. And mom was never there to defend him. Similar occurrences with grandma. And his sisters would never try to help him. They'd make fun of him. So he was left as the laughing stock of the family. Well, this gentleman eventually got molested by one of his mother's boyfriends. And this solidified his hatred and disdain for women in general. And from that point forward, he started out gradually abusing women and then it got to the point where he was actually going out taking their lives, unfortunately. Until he was caught. Now, of course, what he had gone through was no justification for what he did, by no stretch. But what I'm saying to you is there is an origin with many issues. And just because it was in the past we try to discard it because it's not convenient for us to dismiss now. So we say, oh, that was in the past. But those scars from the past left wounds in the future and hurt other people. So the hurt he experienced from the hurt his mom and grandmother experienced from those men transferred through them, transferred to him, and transferred, unfortunately, to these women. And what am I saying here? Treating people better. Understanding that if there's something fucked up, you don't need to carry it on your back. Instead, address it to help yourself, to make you a better person. For you, fuck everybody else. For you, just like you have that fuck it attitude about taking negative things that you experienced and, 
imposing them on other people. You can also take the good things that you can go and apply to other people after you've recognized what was wrong with you. You go and get the help and you can impose some of those positive things for those people to either accept or reject. But if you're just coming negative, you're gonna be on a hamster wheel of trying to get new people. Some of you guys are so fucked up that you go out and you've been on the dating scene for decades and you've dated and fucked pretty much everybody on these dating apps that's in your area and still haven't found a person. It's you, it's not them. It's not the dating app, it's you. It's something you're doing wrong. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're physically doing it. You could be searching in the wrong area. You could be presenting yourself for the wrong type of person. A lot of you ladies write in about this. And some of, and here's the thing that I found interesting. Some of the women who are more conservative are finding that a lot of these younger men are interested in them sexually. And these women don't know how to take it. Ladies, let me tell you something for you 40-somethings and up. If a younger man is interested in you, the reason for that is a couple of things. One, stability. Another thing is, he knows more than likely if you're divorced or something like that, guess what? You're more focused on other tasks and you're less critical. And the reason why is because you've had experience in life and what has happened? A lot of the bullshit that you were expecting to be this Valhalla moment, you're not more practical about things. And these guys know you're gonna have some good pussy because you know how to work your body and how sensitive you are in certain areas. You know your body much better, which means that having sex is not this big, life-altering event like it would be if you were in your 20s or your teens. Because older women don't use that so much as leverage anymore. But there's some women that don't get it. They didn't get the memo that they look old as fuck, but they're trying to look young and they try to apply some of the things that younger women have on their old asses later on. It doesn't look good. I'm just gonna be honest with you, ladies. It looks ridiculous. It would be the equivalent of you having an older car with brand new rims on it and tires. What do most guys do? They'd look at the car and say, damn, that's some sharp ass rims. Old school ride because we discount things that are older just on its very, by its very nature. We don't wanna feel left out. Again, FOMO, fear of missing out. That's what that's all about. 
Let's scream and let's shout. Without a doubt. A pig does have a snout. <laughs> let me stop. But yeah, that's what happens, you know. And we have to also realize that when we get rejected by people for a relationship, it could be circumstantial. It could be a situation that you had nothing to do with. In other words, they're not break, they're not denying your relationship based on you or your situation or where you look or anything like that. It could be based on something they don't want to share with you and they're trying to keep it confidential. Let me give you an example. There was a lady that I went out with, I think twice. This woman barely let me hug her or anything. No kissing. Nope, that was out. We could hold hands. And then I noticed she had these Sani wipes and she would always wipe her hands in her purse. She had these uh, wipes. And she'd hand me one. Now this whole time, I'm not understanding what's going on. I'm thinking that, okay, she's a neat freak, etc. What I didn't know at the time, because she needed more time for her to think about the relationship, what she was doing was buying time. And she was very nice in the sense that she told me the reason why she didn't want to get too close to me was because her ex-boyfriend that she had broken up with gave her an STD. And she was still waiting for the results. She knew she had it. But she wanted to find out how bad it was. She didn't tell me this until everything was cleared up. But by that time, we had created so much distance between us because, hell, every time I'd call, I'd get her answering machine or she'll get mine. We just grew apart. And then eventually when we did coordinate, that's when she told me. She said, I was a little embarrassed, but, you know, I got infected by my boyfriend. So, fellas, what I'm saying is sometimes when a woman tells you no, and you don't understand why, it could be that she's trying to save your ass. It could be the reason why. Now, a couple of things, fellas, that you're going to have to come to grips with. I know a lot of you like to push up on women for sex. If she's telling no to you, but you're still trying to stick your fingers inside of her, licking her and all that, if she's got an STD, depending on what type, might have gonorrhea in your eye. You don't know. You don't know. Women will let you know if something's going on. Usually, now those women that don't give a shit, never been to a gynecologist, they don't know anything about their bodies outside of what their mama and grandmama told them or their girlfriends told them. They'll sit up there and have all kind of syphilis and everything else in their vagina just like it's a Petri dish. They have all this discomfort, pain, drainage, odors, 
they will normalize that shit. And as soon as a guy would tell them, hey, you know, you gave me so-and-so. No, I didn't. You gave it to me. Now, with men, gonorrhea and stuff like that, many of them, they'll start pissing razor blades. And, of course, you know, they had the clap. And, of course, the reason why they call it the clap, their penis would get stuck up with a lot of uh, pus in some cases, and it wouldn't be able to come out. Your piss wouldn't be able to come out. So what would happen years ago, you go to a doctor back in the 1700s, 1600s, and you pull your dick out and put it on a desk. And they would get a book. And they'd smack your dick with that book. Clap. And all the pus and all the other ugly shit would shoot out. That's a fucked up thing. Now, the one thing I would truly say, if your dick is hard, like my, let me tell you, there was one lady I was with one time, I've been wanting to screw her so badly, I took out my dick and bumped it against the wall before we had sex. <laughs> she was like, boom, boom, boom. She was like, what's that? Somebody at the door? I said, no, nah, that's, that's my dick. But now here's the thing. You want to check. The fellas, sometimes you will run across women that have that fishy smell. And usually if it's fishy, things are fishy. You smell women like that when a guy has ejaculated inside of her and she might have not washed herself out, might not have drained herself. As I tell you before, there were women that used to walk around one of the offices where I worked, one lady in particular who would have sex with her husband in the morning, and you could smell her all day. Now, some of them will put perfume on like this lady did. She used to wear that uh, Elizabeth Taylor white diamonds and that Elizabeth Taylor passion. For everything she touched, smelled like that. God help you, she bent over at your desk or sat down beside you. All of your items on your desk would smell like Elizabeth Taylor's fragrances. You sniffed that seat, it'd smell that fishy smell. Now, if it smells like rotten eggs, spoiled fish, albacore, at high noon, that's usually an infection. There are some women who will get offended if you tell them they need to go to a gynecologist, get it checked out. Because a lot of them have never gone to one. Fellas, you might want to make it a requirement 
for the woman that you date, that you sleep with, goes to a gynecologist on the regular. Not one of these little bullshit women that would always tell you, yeah, well, I went to the doctor today. You didn't go to no damn doctor. You don't even have health insurance. Find a woman that can take care of herself down there. Don't let her shame you talking this dumb shit like the one lady did on Facebook. Uh, you you must be gay. You, you, uh, you, you worried about a woman's vagina. Well, yeah, I am. Especially if it's attached to somebody I care about. It's not for my benefit that you need to go to a gynecologist. It's for your own. You have things such as fibroid tumors, ovarian cysts. There's a lot of shit that goes on because a woman's body is very complex. And of course we get the gender war bullshit. Oh, well what about your prostate? Your doctor can check that, there ain't no problem. We have fewer moving parts than you do. Got things to concern yourselves with. Fibroid tumors, all this stuff. Breast cancer. All this stuff you have to concern yourselves with. That's the reason why women who are proactive in their own personal health care are better and more viable candidates for a relationship. Because guess what they do? They give a damn about themselves. And they don't have to be rich to do it. The woman could be on WIC, food stamps, and have general relief or whatever the hell, Section 8, as long as she goes and does that. Have herself checked out. Ladies, that shows you that you give a damn about yourself. And when you do that, you'll probably get a man that gives a damn about himself. You don't do that, you might wind up with a guy that doesn't give a fuck just like you. It starts there. But see, there's a segment of America that's been culturally conditioned that getting help is a weakness. Because we have this false narrative in our society that everybody's self-made. Let me just stop you with that shit. I was looking at the show the other night where they were talking about how Taylor Swift went to Nashville and she could barely make it and she was struggling. Taylor Smith's Taylor Swift's family were not hurt. Her mom, I believe she was a hedge fund manager. Her dad was in the securities industry too. These people are not broke when they start out. Kid Rock, he wasn't broke. That rags to riches bullshit they have been selling you in America has been just that bullshit to keep your head down and keep you working for almost nothing. Now, I'm not mad at these people for the start that they have. We can go down the list. Everybody needed help. Warren Buffett wasn't dirt poor. And by the way, he didn't become a billionaire until he got into his 60s. 
We are fed a line of bullshit in this country. Rags to riches. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Trust me. Guess what somebody's doing? In many instances, if not all, somebody is putting the bootstraps on your boots so you can pull them up. That's self-made shit. Many of you go out and read these books and they tell you how they made it, how they had to sleep in a car overnight and all this other shit. But sometimes they forget to tell you about the person that maybe lent them the money to do something or someone who might have vouched for them for a certain investment. They kind of leave those things out because it kind of defeats the narrative. For a person to be successful, other people have to help them. Please remember that. Even if you open your own goddamn business, Guess who has to help you with the success of that business? Your customers by patronizing you. If they don't, that was just an effort you did for the hell of it. Now, another thing too, getting back to the sex thing for a minute. When we got to the Philippines, when I was in the military, we had to go to an orientation class. We get into this class, we get this film that we had to watch. And we saw all kind of variations of uh, venereal disease. And there was one clip that came on, it scared the shit out of everybody in there. Room was empty, because everybody was in the men's and ladies' room checking their shit. Hell, I was having dreams and nightmares. I thought that motherfucker was going to be the boogeyman. Because if that disease got after my ass, I was going to run until the cows came home. I don't know why the cows would leave in the first place, but I know one thing. It was going to be a situation where I was going to be hauling ass, low running away from it. Fellas, this is the reason why I tell you to strap up with the condoms. Don't use that condom that you have left in your back pocket for the last two decades. Some of you bought condoms back in 1992. Still got them right there in your pocket. Like that motherfucker, some kind of auto part. What you want to do, use condoms. When you have sex, get fresh condoms frequently. Don't fuck around and leave that same condom in your pocket and your jeans. Wash your clothes. And then after you wash your clothes, you look at it and say, oh, I got a condom there, so it's cool. And you go and you get ready to fuck the woman. It slides over your dick and then disintegrates when you go inside of her. No bueno. 
The condom busted. Yeah, it busted because it was too fucking old. It busted because your ass didn't change it. Ladies, let me hip you to something. If you see a guy walking around and in his back pocket, he's got that O and it's outlined in his jeans very well, you better not fuck that dude because he's had that condom in that wallet too long. So long until it embedded a circle in the back of his jeans. Hell, he go to probably pay for something at a fast food restaurant and pull it out. You see that circle even in the wallet. Still there. Try fucking that guy if you want to. You'll probably be a mama when you don't want to be. I'm just telling you. Just telling you. That will help you. Fellas, never take condoms from a woman. Bring your own. I know she may be your sweetheart. She may be your boo. She doesn't want to get pregnant and all this other shit. You never know. You guys have an argument, she get mad at your ass, she goes and get a damn, get a set of needles, start poking holes in that packet. Your dumb ass get over there ready to get some pussy. You open that condom. And the last thing you know, daddy's home. Daddy's home. Daddy's home to stay. Now you're fucking around and half your check is gone in child support. Mad at the DA and shit. You don't need it. You don't need it. Another thing, fellas. Heads up. If you want a woman and all thing she wants to do is give you head all the time, and this is going on for a long period and that person doesn't want you touching them down there, there's a good possibility you may be surprised. There's some women that look at it from the standpoint, well, we're not going to have penetrative sex vaginally. I'm just going to suck his dick and that's it. And this person would not let you eat them out. Nine times out of ten, you're dealing with somebody that lied to you. Somebody who's going in transition or something like that and they didn't tell you the truth. So before you get hung up and hooked on phonics, you might want to have that talk with them and find out. They may even want to go anal or oral. They damn sure can't go vaginal for the most part. Now, most people that get upset about this would be if they've been deceived, catfished. There's a reason why I tell people in the trans community, be honest at a distance. You can tell them the truth while you're texting them or while you're on the phone with them. And if they're not into you, accept it. Move on. 
Find someone who is. It's difficult, I know. Rejection hurts. Anybody, male, female, transgender, it hurts. But here's the thing, you'd rather be rejected and safe than deceptive and concerned about your safety, your life, and everything else. But see, people want to increase the odds. And they want to take risk when risk is not necessarily warranted. Case in point, rest the souls of those people that went down that submersible. Was it really required to go down there? No. And what happened? There was a lot of red flags that many of the people that provided that service ignored, right? Well, this is what sometimes what people will do when they get frustrated and they want to go on and get what they want done. They bend the rules. That's the reason why I tell you, fellas, if you're having consensual sex only, consensual sex only, with a woman, you want to make sure you feel down there to make sure that's the case. If that's what you specifically want to be with is a biological female. Most times, These people would just want to suck your dick and that's it, or maybe have anal. And I'm telling you, if you're not into that, it might be a tough experience. There are some women, biological women, who are total virgins and they believe in that strategy. They'll suck your dick, you can do anal with them. Just can't penetrate them vaginally. And there are some transgender people that use that same strategy with men. Just for you to keep your eyes open. Now, another thing, and this is not to point them out in any kind of negative way, but I'm just telling you fellas, and telling the trans community just to set expectations so that people will know because not everybody's going to be acceptable to conditions. As a black man, there are certain places in Mississippi I still can't go even though we have freedom. Because the odds are I'd probably get fucked up and killed. As an example. You gotta look out for your own best interest. Now, let's look at a couple other things here. Fellas, some women will actually date you, but not want to get serious with you, per se because they may be trying to find out the results of a pregnancy test. I had this shit happen to me one time. 
I'm dating a lady down at Seal Beach. She worked for one of the energy companies, for the oil company. And I took her out to a nice dinner. Took her to the kettle down there in Manhattan Beach. Fairly nice. It's inexpensive, but good. And she says, um, we can't really start a relationship now because I'm not ready. Okay. I'm thinking it's a cerebral thing. Nope. Mm-mm. She forgave her ex-boyfriend for cheating. Ex-boyfriend dumped a load inside of her with no condom. They broke up shortly thereafter. She got upset, went to the singles mixer, and met my happy ass. And she found out she's pregnant. Now, for the longest we went out, and then when she started telling me I didn't have to wear a condom, Oh no, I'm wearing my condom. And I'm using spermicide too. Oh, you don't need all that. That's because she was already pregnant and was going to take, you're going to have the baby. Well, she didn't get her way. Kept my condom on, spermicide, boom. She had the baby. That was the whitest white that 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 baby looked like a Republican from DC. I'm dead serious. If I didn't know any better, I would say that he had already served in the Senate. But she started getting ready to show was when she came clean with me. I noticed the weight gain and everything. And for a minute, I kept asking her, are you pregnant? No, no, you had the condoms and all this other stuff. How can I get pregnant? But she kept me going until it was time. And then she tells me, well, if you want to continue with me, you can, but this is what you'll deal with. I'm like, nah, I don't want to deal with that shit. Mm-mm. And I asked her a hundred times over, is that kid mine? No, it's not yours. And I didn't believe her. She even had DNA tests. True enough. No way. Well, I knew from the gate. Baby was white. Didn't have a Negroid feature in her. I was like, damn. And I'm thinking to myself, I done put all this dick in you and not one little feature came out. But I was cool with it. It happened. Now, hand jobs. 
Fellas, let me tell you something about women that do this. Again, anything that does not involve you engaging with their vagina is a question mark. You don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know who you're dealing with. Correct? We can all agree. Don't let them do too many hand jobs on you. Your dick will curve if you're not careful. There's some women that like to just put their chin over the guy's thigh and then kind of turn his dick into her mouth when she's giving head. Please remember one thing, fellas. She does that shit too long, you're going to start getting a curve if you're not careful. And of course, as men know, the reason why you don't beat off is because there's a possibility your dick can curve. Now, here's the other thing too. For all of my brethren that suffer with BDS, big dick syndrome, we know when we wear Speedos, the only place we can put our dick is either to the left or to the right. We can't go up because the, the whole thing's gonna be up hitting us in the chest. We can't go down because we'll be sitting on top of our dick. So we only have two directions, either east or west. Or you don't have to wear ski Speedos, you can wear the longer swim trunks, which I had to learn later on. Because it's kind of fucked up to be out there swimming and all of a sudden your dick just pop out of nowhere. Like, somebody called me? So, be mindful of, the, of that situation. Now, here's another thing. When a woman decides that she's in the mood, she starts playing with herself, she might do something like lick her two fingers and put them down there rubbing a clitoris. That's okay. That's a normal thing that some women do. Some women actually stick their fingers inside themselves and lick their juices and may want to share them with you. Sounds gross as hell. Some of them will do it. As I told you before, that smell should be a sweet kind of uh, stinky smell. I've kind of sweet and stinky. Now there are some women that don't admit an odor at all. It depends on the woman, her pH and all the rest of that. Because some of you guys get grossed out. And yes, fellas, there are some women out there that have titties where they can suck their own. I think that shit is hot as hell when I see that. But don't be intimidated by it. Because a lot of those women are used to pleasuring themselves. And what you will find is that a lot of women who are not always out there on the dating grind, a lot of those women that may have dated last year but took a year off, they're pleasuring themselves in the interim because they're not under any pressure. 
you will find some of these women the best women to date. My philosophy has always been, I will always date a woman who masturbates. Didn't want one that did. Because that tells me she has a cyclical need for sex gratification. And it builds up, it intensifies. Now, some of you guys get intimidated by vibrators, mainly by the size of them and what they could do. Let me tell you one thing. A vibrator is no substitute for a man, as far as from a woman's perspective, for the most part. At least from some of the women I've spoken with about this particular thing. What they do instead is use that as an interim form of just getting the urge met. In other words, you know how men, we have the one night stand with a woman? Believe it or not, women will spend that one night stand with a vibrator or a dildo before they would a relationship. We'll talk more in a moment. Now, I was looking at an interesting uh, stat that was uh, shared by KCBS Los Angeles. There's been a 10% increase. It's uptaking big time in people leaving California, specifically going to Texas. And the reason why this is happening and continues to happen with people going to Texas and Florida is because they're now tired. California home value, three times that of Texas. Let's see. We're talking market, not intrinsic value. Big difference. See, if we went with the intrinsic value of anything, it would be the bare bones cost of it, including labor. It would be the material and the labor, not the market. The market comes in, that's the feeling that we have any market has to do with feelings. That's what marketing is all about. How you feel. The illusion of inclusion. I remember the marketing class we took years ago. It told us perception is the big thing. You can tell somebody that they're getting more and put less products in the uh, container change the color and you ask yourself more of what it could be more of a one ingredient over the other but still in the same proportionality it would make you feel like you're getting something you're not really getting now people do this all the time in relationships and how they market themselves to other people. But folks, hear me out. Here's the thing. 
with this whole situation about this migration going to Texas and Florida and different places, what we have to remember is a good percentage of those people were not born in California. They're born in other places. So just like they took the opportunity to come to California and raise everything up sky high, they're going to go to other states and do the same. Many of you write in about some of your communities that are impacted by the people who came from California to your community, and now the property taxes have gone up and all the rest of these things have happened. Because people are trying to get away from the high prices. Oh, they love the beaches. And if you hear any person that left California, one thing they'll say was all about the beach or the mountains. Now, the one thing that I will tell you is that as these states experience this influx of people coming in, you're going to have more conflict. You've got more conflict over infrastructure, more conflict over even the way things are done culturally down there. You know, it's funny, people go, they move to Florida or Texas, and then they get on TikTok and complain about it. Oh my God, I didn't know how long I had to wait in the DMV down here. Well, you made the choice to move. You could have struggled and suffered in California, but the problem is when you go to a state like California, for those of you who are out of state, thinking about coming to California, please have your connections. Have a constituency. A constituency. Start working on that well before you take your ass out there. And make sure you have at least a bachelor's degree. That would be enough to get you a job interview. California is very, very stratified. They want you to have a certification to be a security guard. A lot of other states, hell, you just go and apply and they just give you a flashlight and tell you to show up. Do your due diligence. Have constituencies. And understand one thing about California. A lot of people will project the image like they're doing so well there, and many of them are struggling. Barely hanging on. But back home, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, they're telling them they're doing great. They're telling them they're seeing celebrities on every street. Now, in some cases that is true, because you'll see a lot of celebrities in certain parts of Southern Cal. But guess what you don't see? You don't see a lot of them driving in limousines. You don't see a lot of them dressed like they're going to the Oscars. The majority of them, T-shirts, blue jeans, eating at Toast on 3rd Street, Los Angeles. Newsroom over there near the Beverly Center. In other words, these people live like normal people because acting is a job. 
Being in Hollywood is a job. They project the lifestyle that you think that many of those people live. A lot of them don't live that way. The majority of actors, they're struggling. Same thing with the writers. Doesn't matter if you're a member of the guild. And that poses a challenge. But we think a lot of times that everybody's living like Tom Cruise, Harrison Ford, or any of these A-listers. The A-list is very small. Very small. Well, this is what you have to think about. If you come to California, come under the auspices of having your eyes open. That would just help you a lot because a lot of people come here, will come there, no longer there, and they wind up struggling. And it becomes a struggle and it stays a struggle. It doesn't change. And then many of you realize that you were living better off at home where you could pay off a house and own it as opposed to renting a room or an apartment in LA. And then when you look at the proportionality of the money that you spend, get a decent apartment in LA, you're looking at $3,500 a month. And that's not for something that's really nice or polished. $3,500 a month, we'll say in Alabama, you could pay a mortgage and then have leftovers. So what is the big draw to California? The beaches and the weather. And so what happens, there's this uh, retrograde that usually takes place in Southern California specifically. So the person will live in Santa Monica, Beverly Hills or somewhere expensive, South Bay. And as things progress, cost of living increases. Well, they may have to move in more of a metropolitan area. They might move to somewhere like Midtown, Los Angeles. They may move somewhere a little bit more affordable. When they start on the trek east, maybe moving to West Covina, as opposed to living in LA. Maybe move into places like Pomona, Ontario. Rancho Cucamonga, they still have a little money. Fontana. When they start getting in those inland areas from LA, these people want more of what they're spending. So they may commute to Los Angeles to, for the living, but they can't afford to live in Los Angeles, but they could have a nice living elsewhere outside. And then they may move to San Bernardino. Usually Victorville is the tipping point as far as people who commute back to LA, Victorville. 
And once that happens, they're usually coming over to Clark County, Nevada, which is the next county over from San Bernardino County. We're next door neighbors. And so that's what happens. That's usually the progression track for most people. You go from the extreme west or central, south central LA, and then you gradually migrate eastward until you're out of the state. Based on cost of living. Now, when you get to Vegas, a lot of people want to live by the strip, that kind of thing. And what you'll find in Vegas, you can either rent a house, which will run you, now it's about the almost the same price as renting an apartment. But it used to be where renting a house was cheaper than to rent an apartment here. Now here's the thing. By doing so, some people migrated here to Vegas from California that were apartment dwellers because of the fact that why pay that money and live in, to, live in an apartment that high as money when I could live cheaper in Vegas in a house? I could rent a house as opposed to rent an apartment in Los, Los Angeles or a room. Made sense. Now, here's the other thing too. In Vegas, some people would rent a room over renting an apartment, renting a room in a house. More practical and cheaper. And yes, you'll be living among other people. But this is what some people do in Vegas because cost of living is not that much cheaper than California now. Because as people come, prices raise. And this is the reason why a lot of Californians are bypassing Nevada because they want to have the benefit of the cost savings. So they'll go to Florida or Texas. And in both states, they don't have personal income tax. That's one of the requirements for many of these folks. So they're looking at places like Alaska, Nevada, Texas, Florida, Delaware. Places where they have a little bit more leniency and a tax advantage. And as you guys have uh, written in about the complaints about people coming in from California to your state, yeah, they're going to bring some of the things that they acquire because the way that migration process usually works, they're young, they go to California with these stars in their eyes or based on the commercials they saw and the movies they saw, they go to California, they get there by 18 and they're ready to leave by 40. That's really what we used to call it, the 1840 trek. Because by the time you're 40, you're realizing that, okay, yeah, I have a quantity of life, but I don't have a quality of it. Because of the cost. Now, it's a different thing if you come out to California, you have family, or if you bring family with you, you guys make an exodus. 
It's a whole different story then. Because you have more inner supportive uh, resources. Doing it by yourself, oh, it could be tough. Doing it as a young couple, it could be tough. But you'll find a lot of people that don't want to wind up struggling a good portion of their lives in order to make it. That's the reason why they would leave. And these numbers are going to continue to rise. They're going to continue to rise. Now, the other thing that we have to look at is false economy. Now, I've talked about this in the past. False economy is thinking that you can get something and it would benefit you more to do it based on a certain vantage point that's biased compared to the practicality of it. Let me give you an example. A lot of people would relocate to places that are going to be kind of warmer and nicer, right? So take, for instance, you go from California, and in California you're making $35 an hour. And you go to Texas, and the same job is maybe paying $22. Well, a couple of things you look at. You look at the fact that you don't have to pay state taxes in Texas on your income. So naturally, you might justify it in that context. But what if you went to school for your training in California and you've already set your budget up based on the money you make? So you move to Texas, you're making less money, but you still have the debt from California that's still high. So you may have to work a second job. Whereas you were able to pay that bill to pay your overhead with one job. Now you might have two because your income has been reduced, but the debt payments are still the same. Even your cost of living has kind of decreased. But then you got to consider too, the other costs, the replacement costs of other things. So it might be cheaper for you to not have this cost anymore that's associated with California as far as your dwelling or place or apartment or whatever, but you may get another cost that may not be as high, but still may be a challenge. These are things you have to think about. There was one person that wrote in particular, they had left California and went to Florida, saving money, until they found out about the homeowner's insurance how expensive it was and also they found out that they had to have a few more upgrades on the house to protect the place from hurricanes because their community required it and then they had this thing called the HOA homeowners association something that they didn't have in California something they have there in Florida so cyclically They've come out about the same as far as monthly outlay of cash. Do 
the advantages they're going to have is in the cost of living as far as food and those kind of things may be cheaper in Florida than California, along with fuel prices. So, this is what you're dealing with. Plus, the money that you don't have to pay in state taxes every month that goes to your disposable income. Depends on how much money you make. For some people, that's an extra $80 to $100 a month if they're lucky, if not a little bit more. So you're going to have to choose whether or not it'd be viable for you. Um, if you go and take, for instance, take a job in another city, another community, and uh, or another state, and that's the only one-hit wonder so if you were to lose your job in that state, you'd be shit out of luck. True enough, the house would be cheaper, but you still need the cyclical income. If you don't have enough money put in the bank where you could live off the interest, yeah, it could be challenging. I just wanted to point out these few things, folks, so that you have a better idea of what's going on. And if you notice already, good. Share with a friend on Spotify, Apple, Amazon. You know the deal. Love you guys. Take care. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes, in the event for professional assistance. Please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.